Hello everyone. I cannot believe that we are already halfway through this podcast series. I'm having such a great time hearing the voice of God speak the message to me and fill me with his reminder that I am his to be held and loved. And I pray you find that reminder for yourself as we continue in this journey. We have spent the first few weeks really outlining some of the important aspects of grace, such as remembering that God is in control, how to forgive and why we forgive, and what we must come to understand and even appreciate in that sometimes the thorns are left for a higher purpose and hopefully come to view them from a different perspective. I want to spend the next two weeks specifically focusing on behaviors in someone who is living life of sin or caught in the grip of addiction or who might have experienced some trauma earlier in life. There are two main aspects that I found are often misunderstood or that we could just use a deeper understanding about. We talked last week about support versus codependency, and as we prepare for this message, it's important to keep in mind that we do not have the power to change people, and the most supportive part we can play is when we are in prayer. However, a part of grace is taking the behaviors we do not understand and changing our perspective on how we view and address those behaviors. Next week, we will discuss triggers, things we might view as overreactions or feelings that we do not recognize as typical. This week, I want to talk about isolation. When people are caught in the middle of a sin storm or their addiction has overwhelmed them or they're reminded of a traumatic past, a common behavior is isolation. I really want to look at this from both perspectives, from the perspective of the person who is struggling, as well as the person who is looking to be supportive and might not know where to begin. Know that this area is one in which I have great personal experience with, and one in which I often need to stop and question myself on. I enjoy solitude, but this can turn into isolation easily, and I need to check my motives and my heart in this matter frequently. I want to begin with a devotional I wrote several weeks ago, and then I will pull from that and expand on it to highlight important pieces. This devotion was specifically on isolation versus solitude. Isolation and solitude sound similar at first. The experience of being alone, apart from human activity. No socialization, sharing of adventures, or building memories. However, the lived experience of each is quite different. Proverbs 18.1 says, One who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound wisdom. For me, isolation was a natural part of life. I isolated because I was afraid. I had been through childhood sexual abuse, rape, and domestic violence. If I was alone, maybe nobody could see through my facade that everything was good and into the pain and anger that raged inside me. I isolated because I was ashamed. I had thoughts and desires and dreams that I wouldn't dare tell anyone because nobody could possibly understand. I felt there was nobody to confide in, and I believed that I would never again be loved if people knew my struggles. I isolated because I was an addict. 
I could shut myself off for hours or days, either locked away fooling myself that a desperate need was being fulfilled, or recovering from the physical and emotional consequences of my behavior. Isolation was easy, required to keep life the way it was. As I began recovery, isolation was something we were told to avoid. The idea of solitude wasn't introduced until I had created a pattern where I was almost never alone again. When solitude was presented to me, I couldn't imagine it would become such a gift. Jesus set the perfect example for solitude. Scripture says he often went away by himself to pray. He knew how to rest, to be still, to listen, and to cry out. But for me, solitude had its challenges. It meant being with myself. With the loss of my addict as constant companion, I didn't know who I was, and I certainly didn't want to spend time with me. Until one day, in a moment of brilliance and infinite love, God removed me from the life I knew. He stripped away all I had and all I believed to be mine. Solitude was a lesson learned during utter desperation. Solitude is not natural for me. I have to make time, space, and willingness to follow through. I spend moments in solitude because I am forgiven. I am made new. No longer needing to isolate and hide in shame, I am able to be with the one who has released my shame and called me his. I spend moments in solitude because I am chosen. God wants to use the story he wrote in me for his kingdom. And in those moments alone with my creator, I can be still long enough to allow him to place desires in my heart that align with his will. I spend moments in solitude because I am still broken. I have struggles and weaknesses. My flesh is weak. My humanity screams and presents itself too willingly. Time alone with my father lets me pour out truth to the one who loves me even still. In a moment of solitude, I have heard God call me to ministry, was filled with the strength to forgive the one person I thought I could never forgive, and I have found peace that passes understanding. In my book, Surrender, I wrote of a moment with Jesus, and I thought it was fitting here. Months ago, I was walking through the woods with Jesus. It is one of the most intimate parts of life for me to be alone in nature with my Savior. In the middle of uncertainty, I cried out to him for answers. That's what so much of my conversation with him had become. Lord, help me know what to do. Lord, what now? I couldn't hear any response this one afternoon, just silence. Sitting by the water moments later, I felt the sun wrap the sweetest warmth around my shoulders. Jesus was just there with me loving me. I believe he just missed me and wanted time in my presence 
to just be still. I missed him too. I don't spend nearly enough time just loving my Jesus and sitting alone with him. There is power and wisdom in reading his word and studying scripture. It is crucial in this chaotic, confusing, and often discouraging world. But there is absolutely nothing more beautiful than time alone wrapped in the arms of Christ. As you move forward in your journey, let God be your everything. Allow him to be your guide and draw you to still waters. He is enough and he is crazy about you. Clear the stage and set the sound and lights ablaze. If that's the measure you must take to crush the idols. Jerk the pews and all the decorations too. Until the congregations few then have revival. Tell your friends that this is where the party ends. Until you're broken for your sins, you can't be social. Then seek the Lord and wait for what he has in store. And know that great is your reward, so just be hopeful. Cause you can sing all you want to. Yes, you can sing all you want to. Sing all you want to and still get it wrong. Worship is more than a song. Take a break from all the plans that you have made and sit at home alone and wait for God to whisper. Beg him please to open up his mouth and speak. And pray for real upon your knees until they blister. Shine the light on every corner of your life until the pride and lust and lies are in the open. Then read the word and put to test the things you've heard until your heart and soul are stirred and rocked and broken. Cause you can. Sing all you want to, yes you can. Sing all you want to. Sing all you want to and still get it wrong. Worship is more than a song. Mm, If you haven't heard this song, let Jimmy Needham take you away with Clear the Stage. This is a beautiful song that draws us to the importance of solitude. Solitude is an act of worship. There are some key pieces to notice that typically separate healthy solitude and worship versus a time of isolation. Where solitude tends to be in shorter increments, isolation tends to be long-term. Every once in a while, it is wonderful to take a spiritual retreat by yourself, but usually this is voiced, someone is made aware, and responsibilities are delegated or acknowledged. Isolation is usually a longer time of separateness without communication and often involves neglecting responsibilities. 
When someone is isolating, they are often more difficult to engage in conversation, even when they are physically present. Understand that isolation does not have to be physical. A person can be physically present and be isolating emotionally or spiritually. The reasons for isolation are not always because a person is actively sinning or engaging in addictive behavior. In Luke 8 verses 43 through 48, we read, And a woman who was there had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Moving to verses 47, then the woman, seeing that she could go unnoticed, she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. How crazy powerful to think of the suffering this woman must have gone through. She was considered ceremoniously unclean. When it mentions that she realized in this instance, in her act of faith, she could not go unnoticed. There's an element here we don't want to miss. She often went unnoticed. Imagine 12 years of being unnoticed, untouched, considered dirty. Trauma can have the same effect on people. If we remove the specifics momentarily, we see someone who has gone through something that people do not understand. Something that has left her feeling different, maybe ashamed. This would be a cause for anyone to isolate. Now move to the power of the fact that in her act of faith, she was taking a chance. She was courageously entering a frightening space because she believed that Jesus could and would heal her. The person sitting in our pews on Sunday morning who has struggled with trauma in their life, they are courageously stepping into a frightening space because some part of them is either believing or hoping that there is a God who can heal them. But in those moments, where the enemy reminds them of what they have been through, where he so falsely draws on shame and pain to separate the sheep from the herd, where they cannot be protected, isolation can occur. The same is true for the one who has served time in prison, struggled with sin that seems beyond human comprehension, a person who cannot shake the addictive hold. The enemy seeks to isolate. And we know the dangers of isolation. We see in the story of David in the book of 2 Samuel, where at a time kings were going off to war, David remained in Jerusalem. I don't want to say that David was isolating, and that's a whole nother message for a different time. I just simply want to point out that we know through this story the sin that took place. When David, hanging out on his balcony by himself, noticed a beautiful woman and decided she must be his. We have adultery. We have murder. Now God in his power and grace redeemed that situation and restored David. And we know the ending of that story could not look more beautiful. That is the power of the sovereignty of God at work. 
but know that the enemy loves to separate us from those who love us. He wants to get us alone. In solitude, we become closer to Christ and our weapons are sharpened. In isolation, we are most vulnerable. Isolation occurs because we feel ashamed and isolated and different. Either because we are sinning and do not know that we would be forgiven and grace would be extended if someone were to find out, or because we are reminded of our past and feel unworthy of genuine love, healthy affection, or honest companionship. Isolation happens because we forget whose we are. It is easy to become offended when we reach out to someone and they do not respond as we want, either as the one who is struggling or the one who is trying to support. We can often stop extending invitations to lunch or the offer for a shoulder to cry on when someone seems to have disappeared. It is so easy to forget that isolation is not about us. Ultimately, it is not our responsibility to define whether someone is in solitude or is isolating. Only God knows hearts and minds and motives and intent. It is our responsibility and an act of grace to remember that although we may not understand, we are to love them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you asking for forgiveness in all the ways we have judged or questioned people's behavior. Only you know the fullness of each person. Lord, help us to recognize the difference in ourselves between solitude and isolation. Let us recognize the power of each and find moments of solitude where we allow you to strengthen us and encourage us and love us. Thank you for your grace and for reminding us that we are yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week, we jump into triggers, finding grace in what we do not understand. God bless.